What's good, people? This is the Option Podcast. This might be episode 138, 139, 140. I don't know. I don't care because I got my man, Mark Fornicari. <laughs> Mark Fornicari is in the house and the episode starts right now. What up, people? Got to give the people what What's they up, want. What's up, man? Got to give the people what they want. Got to give the people what they want. Mark. <laughs> Fornicari is in the house. So what's good, man? How's that? Um, I'll ask like an old dude. How's the weather? <laughs> uh, well, I, last time I talked to you, uh, I was in New Mexico, and I had to come back for work into the office like every other uh, person, I guess. So back in North Carolina for the temporary. Um and uh, hoping to get back out to New Mexico, but we'll see. So out here for, you know, back in the Carolinas for a little while. Cool, man. Fixing our clock. Today, for the people listening, for the people on the audio, we're just going to walk you through it. And the people in the video version, you can see it with your own two eyes. This section of the podcast, where uh, instead of doing a long form, because Mark and I, <laughs> as you can imagine, we've already explored that. And I still got that bottle in the back over there. That's that's more of a memorabilia thing. And that's going to be there until the day we die. Okay, how about that? So, um, sure. And we finished most of it. Oh, yeah. Woo. Like I saw, I saw the field. I saw Theo look at it and he started shaking his head. That was pretty funny. Theo goes, <laughs> right? He kind of like, like, I don't know. Okay. If that's your thing. And we're like, it kind of is, you know, and, yeah. and we're still good looking. It's you know, look, that will turn some people into old people. You ain't oh, old for person. sure. I'm 51 years old. I don't look like it. I just, I look like a creepy 35. I look like, there you go. yeah, hey, little girl, <laughs> what's your name? And they're like, help, mom, help. All right, so um, lightning round questions. We promised you volleyball and volleyball only questions. Um, some, of the, some of these, I'm going to have to take a stance because I'm already retired, so it allows me to, to kind of poke fun at some, some players. Mark Funakari is an active player, so I'm really not going to ask him anything that's going to sell out his own people because he's still got to play. Uh, but... I think you're, you know, if you have to be brutally honest, I think you're not going to, you're not going to run from that too. That's why you're the best man for the job. For sure. Yep. All right. So guys, question number one, Phil Dalhauser. Well, first of all, championship weekend, right? Is this, is that, is this the single busiest weekend? Uh, the first weekend of May, is that the single busiest weekend in the sport? You have the NCAA men's, right? You have women's uh, NCAA beach. You mm -hmm. had um, uh, Doha. Uh, Norseka, mm -hmm. and last but not least, uh, leading to our first question, AVP Austin. Um, and if you just want to go on another level, Canelo and the UFC. Yes. Oh, wow. Yo, I cried when Tony got knocked out. So, I was right next to Nolan watching that. In a fight that I thought he was winning. Oof. It looked like he was winning. You know, he scored a knockdown in the first round and he looked sharp and his slips looked good, but he did ha kind of have that Kung Fu of eight drunkards thing going on where like, if he, if he stays out there too long, he might get caught mm -hmm. and lo and behold, got caught. Yeah. Oh, he's on the bitter beer face commercials from here on out. So what was your favorite match that night? Oh, uh, I mean. I've always been kind of a Oliveira fan to see him come back. Uh, it just cements like he's on another level. Yeah. I think even with Makachev, I don't think Makachev can stand with him. And uh, he's too dangerous being able to submit you. So he's I too think slick. Khabib's the only answer. Khabib he might be the only answer right now. You have to have the strength to hold him in a position where he doesn't use his third arm or third leg to choke you like i've seen mm -hmm. him have people's back right and and the guy's like i got okay i got this one i got this one i'm good and it seems like this is his third one it's like where did that come from i thought i had two hands <laughs> all right so check it out um and god we might do this as a skip on the edit or maybe not because we love the ufc AVP Austin, Phil Dalhauser and Andy Banesh won the AVP Austin in convincing fashion in the finals, I think 2-0. Um, though I think the semis or our quarters was, um, was um, competitive with Tri and Trevor. Um, with the Twin Towers splitting block, Phil splitting block, Andy splitting block. That was fun to watch. Um, 
So the question, because we're going to explore it after our time is up, and we'll just talk about our thoughts on the match or whatever. Um, and the question was, was this a testament to Phil's greatness? Or was this an indication of how much more work the men's scene on the American scene has to do to catch up? Um, you, would you like to go first? Sure. Do it. Um, you know, so I can't give a definitive answer on this one. So I'm going to say it's both. I'm going to say Phil's greatness in the sense that we got to see he's, how consistent he is siding out because he actually got served through some of these matches, maybe not the finals, but through some of these matches, he got served and we saw how you know, consistent he is siding out. And then to the flip side, I don't think it's necessarily that the U.S. men need to catch up, but the game changing. Now you see that, wow, two bigs, that's the next wave. You don't necessarily need this six-foot defender anymore running around there scooping balls. You can just have two massive guys, and they, you always say it, um, serve to space. Well, when you got two massive guys like that, you, there is no serve to no space, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, they could have, while they were next to each other, they could have laid out their arms and touched both end lines. Mm -hmm. that's how much of the court they took. Yeah, and then just playing around a massive block where you have two guys who are used to running up, they can just hammer jump serves all day and they both take up huge space and they just made it easy for each other and how hard it is to stop them inside out. I think it's just that change of the game. Maybe it's two bigs for, and then, and then you look at the other side and you say, Troy field, you know, how impressive he is. But for, you know, matter how high he jumps, it takes him three more seconds to get down and play a ball. Whereas Phil and them just make the static movement, play a ball up and Jeez. put it away. Yeah, they can hop out the jump sets, can't they? All right. So here's yeah. my answer. And I'm glad I got a whole minute to do it. And I, I'm very, very practiced on this. Thank you, Rob McLean, for Sports Debate Tuesday. Um, 2018, Hermosa Beach. I saw the part chains at 15 and 17 years old make the main draw, right? I saw Eric Fenomawana, I, I believe was 49 years old, come out of retirement, play, play, a, play a match with Jeremy Case Bear and win a winner's bracket match, okay? I saw Phil Dalhauser play with his coach, Jason Lockheed, right? And win a winner's bracket match. All three, all three things in the same tournament. So I said to myself, I'm like, if this stays the same, this is going to be a problem. Enter 2022, Mark Fornicari, all right? Enter 2022, this man, Phil Dalhauser, halfway out the door, 43 years old, comes out. I think I want to split block. I think I'm good to go. And, and you really want to celebrate this man's greatness, and then the GOAT conversations come up because of the way, he, the way he did it in the easy manner and how he did it. But I can't help think of how disappointed I was that the men's scene allowed that shit to happen. Uh, and that's just, and as a retired, I, I mean, someone who's, who, you know, who's, who's actually played but not playing anymore, I give myself permission to say, y'all should be ashamed of yourselves. Y'all, where's the camera? Y'all should be ashamed of yourselves. L letting this man roll up on you. I think I'm going to split block. Last time I did it with, was with Nick Lucena because I won four tournaments in a row. So AVP Chicago, me and Nick going to split block, right? At least John Mayer and Case Beard didn't let him get away with it. They, they at least beat him in the semifinals. Shame. Shame on the men's scene for allowing that to happen, all right? I know you're like, man, this podcast is gonna blow up but somebody has to say it you said it was both and you're right it is both it is a testament to how great that man is and like you said two bigs on the court that is a two-man group hug line up his arms line up their wingspan from here to here that's side to side on the court i i i challenge them to do that and and run a video and take a picture of just to just to show everybody what it looks because you i just thought about that just now when you said it um yeah but with that being said done dumping on people it's not a dump it's a challenge it's a challenge i have a question for you rob fornicari with phil 2008 let phil 2022 get away with that shit. come on uh i don't know they got the same demeanor he's mm -hmm. he's never changed he's still the the flat line even even keel i played with them the friday before yeah. okay austin okay he's the same light-hearted guy that i met the first time I met him. So like he never changes. So I don't think there's like this competitive fire that he had back in, in, uh, in China that he doesn't have now. I think he just stays even keel and stays consistent. Mm -hmm. I will say this. I agree with you in the sense that volleyball players, the thing that gives them success is an increased IQ. And then when they know more, as they get older, they still have to physically be able to do something about it. So with that being said, Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe Phil, who's playing kind of the same volleyball with a with a higher volleyball IQ, he didn't right. He he didn't roll it with the same IQ from 2008, right? Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. 
Okay, I could go with that one. I could go with that one. I like that one. I like that one, but but I'm not letting the guys off the hook. They you cannot you cannot let some these two bigs get away with that. They I mean their first tournament together. It's this this isn't Kristen Nuss and Taryn Cloth, okay, who've been playing together since college. Who was a perf, you know perfect 35 and 0, right? This ain't Kristen Nuss who who played eight regional tournaments before AVP Atlanta. One Wapaka, one one um. Uh, um, Coconut Beach, one Atlantic City for a 100K purse, right? And then and then Atlanta, what? Qualifier, main draw, one. Australia, go to Australia with no qualifier points, zero points. Qualify, main draw, one, all right? But that, <laughs> that's a team. <laughs> so, go ahead. Now, now, you also, to what Phil said at the post, um, you know, after it was over, there's some, there's a real big difference in playing with no pressure. Right. I don't think he had pressure on him the entire time, whatever he did. And he was out there having fun. Yeah. Saw him, it was he, tournament he like house money. At, yeah. He growled at one point and Andy's just back there having a lot of fun too. And there's no expectation. And I think there's something about that, that they played loose and free all weekend. I, I thought at the beginning, when I saw this matchup, I was going, no one's going to stop them because no one can stop them siding out. I mean, and they both serve super aggressive mm -hmm. and they're not having to run up. I go, man, these teams are going to be dangerous. Cause I mean, how do you block them? And you know, they're going to get three points to four points a set blocking you. So all they got to do is pick up one or two or three defensive balls and they're blowing you out 21, 14. Yeah. Listen, the people who beat Phil and Nick or Phil and Phil and Todd that, and, and whom, and how, and whom they employed a strategy to serve Phil. Um, which doesn't seem like the smartest thing in the world, had the clientele to do it, right? Bruno and Alisson did it. They won the first game 22-20, then they won the second game 21-11. So, so they, they had, so yeah, you got to pick someone to serve, but like you said, do we, uh, um, and Nolan Albrecht actually texted a really good question about upcoming blockers. So it, it's really about strategy, but also it's about clientele. Like you said, there's, there wasn't a whole lot of people on the American scene that were going to stop those, those guys. Mm -mm. I love Budinger's discipline. Uh, he's he's one of the best. I said Theo Brunner was one of the best blockers no one talks about. What about Chase, man, who's just up there mm -hmm. taking the elevator up, highly intellectual, and like you said, not too hot, not too cold. Uh, um, yeah, man, I really like that. I, 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 and he's Mr. Finals. He's like the Pat Riley of, of the AVP, right? Made a finals with yeah. Troy. Made a finals with um, K, uh, all three finals with, with uh, Wright Patterson. And then mm -hmm. with Rosie. So... Well, Rosie's also a finals guy, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So cool. Next question, right? Next question. We, we are going to the scoring freeze. The scoring freeze is now a thing of the past as the AVP has eliminated the scoring freeze from their league rule book. So I guess the question is, what will you miss about the scoring freeze and what will you or, or what will you not miss about the scoring freeze you have 60 seconds you can answer both of those or just pick one uh four right. is yours and go uh i guess the only thing i'll miss from it is just some of the crazy comebacks that had happened um from when a team's down a lot but other besides that i really won't miss anything about it um the not miss is is the first year it came out I don't know how many refs missed side switches because they weren't keeping track of seven or five points. So you would get a team that would get eight, nine points on the good side. So there was this major swing in these games because they weren't tallying every side, you know, every side out because it wasn't a real point. So I won't miss that. And then the length of the game and then that, that thought of earning that lead to, you know, that 16, 19, okay, we got a three point lead. And then just we got to set out two balls here and then the game's over. I, I, I like getting the lead and then being able to be rewarded for it and not somebody come back on bad side, good side, potentially. So those are my two. Okay, makes sense. And we wait for the horn to honk. There it is. <laughs> Time's up. <laughs> that didn't come from your place. That came from the clock. <laughs> Sorry. 
All right, so here's my take. Here's what I'm going to miss. I'm going to miss some of these comebacks, right? Sometimes the score is 20 to 18 or 20 to 17, and then, and then someone climbs back, and it's really, really exciting for the fans, however exhausting for the elite athletes who, who might have been looking too ahead to the next match and still got to remember they got to finish the other one. Um, I do like that the freeze is gone because uh, the AVP was the only, in the, the only league in volleyball that was doing the freeze, right? I mean, there's something about uh, our sport being universally respected, and, and then you have certain leagues with certain rules or whatever and this and that and and i guess talking to you i mean i'm preaching to the converted right or not to the converted but i'm preaching to someone that gets that because the Town rumble right um was mm -hmm. um which you took you made the finals last year was um what um side out side out to 15. yep so um i miss i will miss some of these things for for fan purposes but some of them you know, it's 2011 and you're trading side outs. And, and, and even as a fan, sometimes you're like, man, I just wish this game would end, you know? Though I do, I do give it up to my boy, Rob McLean, him and Rob D'Aurora, they were down 2011 against um, Jake, Jacobs and Boag, uh, Bogue. And they came back and made it 2018. So, so from a personal note, you know, there's a little bias because I'm, I'm and biased with Rob's. And it, it was fun to see like them look like they were just going to mail it in and then something happened and they popped and i'm like and you would have never seen that that mental uh test of mental fortitude and then changing your mind you would have never seen that if there was um sorry i lost you but you would have never seen that huh. mark you would have never seen that if if there was no freeze so, sure cool man all right so yeah, going to miss the freeze. Uh, the players didn't like it. And then, like, I talked to Madison McKibben. He didn't like it. And then he's like, you know what? Actually, it's a grind. And I like to grind. I'm a grinder, you know? And he's like, I, I didn't like it at first, but I, I, I changed my mind, you know? Because um, I was doing the beat, so I asked a whole bunch of players, and none of them really wanted to answer it because at that time they felt like – if you disagree with Donald's son, you're out, you know? <laughs> it was a, it was that time period where it looked like um, – I don't know. It was like The Apprentice. <laughs> you're fired. You're fired. You're yeah, fired. Yeah, just, right? just be the company, man. Yeah. Yeah. Nick is the only one that's like, like he says, I know it's going to rub some people the wrong way, but no, I don't like it, you know, but you're not going to fire Nick. <laughs> you're not going to suspend Nick. But um, but big up to Donald's son. Got to give him credit. Um, he did something brave for for a franchise that, where the attendance didn't look so good and then all of a sudden it's interesting and now you know you have the freeze and you got crab versus crab and hermosa beach their first meeting uh, um, which is my backyard thank god for the big screen on the outside they were turning away fans in the stadium it was and people really? had people had beach chairs and it looked like the u.s open because people had chairs and they were cheering outside of the thing and the monitor was faced towards the pier where hennessy's was and la pamela Oh, wow. Awesome. So if you were on the roof at Hennessy's, you were watching the final, or, or not even the finals. Well, they met twice. But the first meeting uh, in, in winner's bracket was, was they, 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 they couldn't fit everybody in. It was great. And the freeze was awesome. It was, it was Trevor and Rosie against Jake and, and Taylor. Great match. And the beginning of a sibling rivalry, I guess. Um, question number three. The AVP extended their stops wink wink uh <laughs> um this year to other venues but we all have our favorite venues all right so i was at coconut beach last year it was a first class setup it looked like a, a big tour stop the, they had lights and night lights they had christmas lights they had a restaurant on the water and they had one of the best color commentators in the sport calling the finals so, <laughs> um you know i mean and, and we could frankly we can use more guys like him whoever that guy was all right so um <laughs> so my question to you and I think I'll go first on this one. I'll let you go second. Is that cool? Um, sure. What is your favorite stop as a player or a coach or a fan? I'll, I'll start with me. My favorite stop, Mark, uh, my, as, a, as a player, a coach, and a fan is New York City. It's New York City. I'm from New York. I, I know there's a big, huge immigration population. I know they're indoor heavy, but you have a ton of FIVB guys. You got a bunch of Brazilians, a bunch of Polish, the Russians in Brighton Beach, the Koreans in Flushing, the Chinese in Chinatown, the Dominicans uptown. And if you let them know, 
they will come through. There was an exceptional seniors high school game, like an all-star game. I let them know all 41 kids showed up for Saturday's matches. It took, took like a whole row. So, and I like the way the AVP set it up on 14th Street, a few blocks from Union Square. There's six train lines. You get off the train, you walk. So it wasn't like Pier 25, like, damn, this is far. And it wasn't like like uh, Pier 6 in Brooklyn, like, where the heck am I? Um, yeah. Chicago is a great stop. Got to give them props. Um, and of course, uh, I mean, there might be a little bias coming towards my selection, but but Mark Fonacari, make mine. New York City. It's a good pick. Um, I mean, I've played at all those places that you're talking about. And, uh, they're great locations. But I think you just got to take it back to what's the Mecca? What's the what's the most fun to go out to? Where can you just, you know, drink, go watch? Yeah. Um, although last year, and this is Manhattan, and last year I wasn't as big a fan as the way they set it up because they moved the court back to allow more fans in. I think they need to have that pier in the background to kind of with the fans up top and everybody can look in. I think we kind of missed that and they just kind of had a side like court one mm -hmm. in the back. And I think it just missed the, the overall view. If you were watching it on TV of the Manhattan beach pier in the background. So, yeah. but that you, you can't beat that, that stop. I should be ashamed I, I of myself, right? Best. <laughs> I should be ashamed of myself. It's it is it is really the best stop. I mean, collectively as consensus, I, I I agree, and I agree with your assessment on the setup of center court. There's something about look being on the pair and looking at someone's name etched in the pair, and at the same time watching players compete for that. You look down, there's names. Hmm, you're looking at the finals. Hmm, who's it gonna be? You're looking down, etched names. You're looking over, is it gonna be this guy, that guy, right? So. Um, mm -hmm. Don't really remember who won last last year in Manhattan Beach. I do know Patterson and Buttinger were in the finals all three, all three stops. So they were there. They were there. Um, was it Trevor? I Did, believe it that was. Was, was that yeah, the guaranteed game? I think, yeah, I think wasn't it Trevor and Try? Yeah, I think that was the guaranteed game. Yeah, Trevor. Uh, he did it once during the pandemic. I guarantee we're gonna win. He put you know. Yeah, put, I was at the. He, I was at uh. What what's the the place right there? When they were drinking, when they were taking the uh, oh shellbacks, they're drinking yeah shellbacks. They're drinking the um, orange crushes, the shots <laughs> afterwards. Trevor couldn't even try, couldn't even make his way out of that place. He was so inebriated. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> like I said, it was fun watching them do up whiskey on, the, on their podcast. It was, um, it didn't get a lot of views, but uh, but I I watched it and I had no idea what the hell they were saying. But for some reason, when someone says something funny and everyone starts laughing, you start laughing with them. It's in, it's involuntary. Oh, yeah. You just look at a whole bunch of people get, having a good time. For the people listening, I'm, 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 I mean, look, I'm loyal to my people, so I'm going to plug everybody, even though a lot of people don't plug me. Got to watch that podcast. It was Trevor and Try. It was Taylor and um, Taylor, right? It was Travis Mirwitter. It was... Uh, was it the coach? The coach there, um, Rich Lamborn, Muscle Man, was he there too? I wonder. Doesn't matter. I think there was like a total of eight people. There was whiskey in the. Oh, Nick Lucena, mm -hmm. right? So, so they had. I don't. Um, try tell me what kind of whiskey it was before, but I, I, I can't remember. But it doesn't matter. They were just having a great time. It was great volleyball, and there was a fellowship thing going on that seemed very, very inclusive, and it, and it attracted me because you know me. I'm all about inclusive. I'm all about you know, one, one, one family, one, one heart sure. um, and mean it. Um, I say that when I say that, I, I, you know, I freaking mean it. I'm all about that life. Um, and so are you, um, East meets West. <laughs> um, oh yeah. So Mark, let's go to question four. Um, this is from, is this from Wendy Jones? No, this I think this might be one of Nolan Nolan Albrecht's questions. Uh, there are tournaments that are a good time, and there are tournaments that are grueling on you physically and mentally. And there are tournaments when it's over, your body makes you wish you never did it. <laughs> you had a you, meaning you had a good time that day, but then the next day your body's like, "This is bullshit." Mm -hmm. um, and everybody at every level can identify. This is a highly identifiable question, not just for the open players. Um, the Pottstown Rumble fits the answer to the question of the most grueling tournament in, in, in outdoor volleyball. Is there, my question to you, the floor is yours first. Is there another tournament that is more physically and mentally taxing to the body and mind uh, for outdoor volleyball, beach or grass, than the Pottstown Rumble? 
So you have like Susquehanna and those tournaments are similar format where they're side out scoring, but they're at a cheese. I'm getting Sorry. blown up everywhere. Sorry, <laughs> people love you. And and your sounds as um, counts. Yeah, so uh those those tournaments are mini pots towns, if you say, but I would have to say, and this is just for the all around experience, that big shots is the most grueling tournament and i'll give you the reasons why the first one is it's a two-day event so it's like Pottstown. it takes two days to finish and then also in jersey you never know what the weather's going to be like it could be 95 one day and then pouring hurricane type winds the next day so you have to deal with all those kinds of elements the shelly beaches you know the syringes and all the crap in the sand that you never know what you're going to run into because it's Jersey. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then, on the, and then the, I know. And then the last one I would say is you're going to go out and party in Atlantic city the night before everybody does, even if you have a match the next day. So that hangover slash trying to win the finals, it's, it's all encompassing. And that sand is brutal too. Atlantic city brutal. sand is gnarly, dude. I don't, I mean, I, I don't like it. It made me miss deep sand. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, so, all right, my turn on this. Uh, let's fix that mic. I, I promise you guys, this is Diet Pepsi. There's nothing else. I know me and Mark go another way with this, but I'm, I'm good today. Um, so Coconut Beach, you had the, 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 the Brazilians cramp up in the finals because of the humid conditions, all right? But Coconut Beach was okay because even though storms hit that place, they had a great drainage system and the sand was wet, but there weren't puddles. Now enter Wapaka. Wapaka didn't have a good drainage system, so when it rained, you had little little mini lakes and ponds or whatever, and, pe and then it turned hard as a rock, and you were basically playing on something that felt like Central Park concrete or, or Chinese nine men in Chinatown in the parking lot. So grueling grueling tournament for that yes um any place that has deep sand that's a three-day tournament or, or even a one-day qualifier anyone's tried to qualify in manhattan beach or, or hermosa beach it's taxing on the body and, and a little bit the mind but the answer to your question or our question is no there is not a single tournament that that is more grueling than the pots i mean if we're doing a, a besides question sure sign me up but it is the single most grueling tournament in all of outdoor volleyball and i've been around and and, and i played in manhattan beach you know a little, a little a little older just to see what it felt like deep sand i played in the Pottstown rumble double a and open in 2002 and 2003 and i am telling you there is nothing even when you're young there's nothing when you're that second day and you're in the finals and then what you got a 10 10 switch off something about your body and your mind is like I got a how long, how much longer is this going to be? <laughs> and I'm speaking to someone before I go to my next question, because um, for everybody listening, Mark, uh, Mark Fonacari, along with Nolan Albrecht, hit, uh, made the finals in the Pottstown Rumble. Um, and I think the year before, two, a couple of years before, is Baranek and Kalinsky, right? The, uh, the previous before the pandemic. Um, talk to me a little bit about that last day and then that finals uh, um, and just um are you numb uh, do, you, do you don't feel anything at all are you just in drone mode i mean i, I, no, I think it's all just before. survive mode it's survive mode it's just hammer down as much liquids as you can until you get to the big crowd to kind of because the crowd's going to give you the adrenaline rush mm -hmm. to come back i mean you're not going to just fall over when you got how many a thousand people watching you but uh, it's just a grind. I mean, all the way around and you, you just, you're just whacking back liquids and hoping that your partner just comes up with something big to help you out. And, you know, and for everybody listening, <laughs> it's side out, it's side out to 15 and it's in Pennsylvania and it's in the last week of June. And anyone that spent some time the last week of June on the East coast, uh, brings new meaning to the term humidity, all right? It is, you can wear a t-shirt or a tank top and some shorts, and by the time your match is over, you it is soaking wet. There are, I've seen mm -hmm. people actually have three sets of shorts and leave them on a clothesline and rotate them for the whole weekend. People that expect expect to be there uh, both days, you know? Um, having played in it, <clears throat> that first day I played, um, when you play double A, it's nightlights. You could you finish two in the morning because it's a one day tournament. It's not two days. So I played double A that first time and I'm like, I'm supposed to play open next year. Um, a fifth for both, whatever. That's the best I can do. But I mean, that's respectable. But I only brought it up because I think and I'm praising you a little bit. You're a real G. 
you're a real G. They're anyone that makes the finals, even if you lose. Um, in my mind, you're a volleyball immortal because all of the beach players playing and they expect to win and they don't because it's it's grass. So now you got college guys who don't have to jump out of the sand that are that are taking your lunch money. Constant siding out on the net that's supposedly seven, four and an eighth, but we all know the truth. I mean, grass, show me a grass, a grass tournament where the net is actually eight feet. <laughs> it's just, you know, it might as well be just be Chinese nine man. I mean, just stop. Exactly. So, um, so kudos to you. It was just an opportunity for me to, to highlight you and, 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 and we had the podcast last year, but I can't say enough about anyone who goes through all of that, the two days side out and Sunday night lights, right? Not just Sunday afternoon, then we have a barbecue. No, Sunday night lights. Fuck, I got to go to work Monday type shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've driven all the way home after that, <laughs> after the finals. And I've even stayed around to ref the finals. I ref that year that Brabanek and... Uh, oh, you did? Brabanek played um, uh, Lucas? Dentler and Donahue. Oh, Dentler and, and Donahue, I ref yeah. Yeah, I, I uh, refed it. It was like an hour and a half, hour, 45 minute match. Mm -hmm. And then by the end, because it went into overtime. And in the end, I drove all the way home. I mean, it's just awful. And then go to work the next day or, you know, take a half a day in the morning. I mean, it's awful. Yep. Check it. So, all right. Plug to, um, um, to Andrew Dentler. Miss you. Love you very much. We used to coast together together at Endless Summer, along with Jeff Samuels, Jan Barreto, and Rob McLean and Pompeo. Um, love you. Miss you. The best volleyball I've ever seen you play in my life was at Coconut Beach when him and Ferrari made the semifinals. I thought that was and, and Ferrari played a masterful tournament to uh, taking giving him all the credit too. But and also congratulations to Andre Beloff and, and Josh Lucas who won. They were the they were the ones that won Eric last Lucas. year. Eric Lucas, who won last year, who's always at the scene of the crime when it comes to finals, right? He's always, always. he's always kind of there, uh, and that's what I noticed when I played. I'm like, final eight, same five teams, <laughs> five of the eight teams, the same dudes from last year. Cool. <laughs> Big up to Phil, who won in 2004. Phil Phil Dalhauser. Big up to Seydu, Mike Salik, second and the third, two years in a row. Um, and the next question. All right, question, we're at one, two, three, four, five. Question five. Okay, let's say you are an adult on the pro scene. You've gotten pretty far. Let's maybe Kevin Knight, right? Coming out party last year, made it to the finals, um, lost to Adam Roberts and Trevor. Remember the uh, Myrtle Beach? His coming mm -hmm. out party, right? You have taken it as far as you can, but you really desperately want to get to the next level. Mark Fornicari. My question to you, and this is a tough question because you're 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 mostly self-coached. Um, which coach would you recommend or would you want to work with that you think can take you to the next level? You're 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 with this guy, you're all in, you're willing to put in the work, you're dedicated. Who do you believe can take this open level player to the next open? Tough All question. Right, so <laughs> Again, um, I caught you by surprise because so, you're a gangster. So I'm biased. I'm biased because if it was pertaining to me in my game, I'm left-handed, so I would pick John Mayer. And that's just because him and I have similar style. Uh, we don't really say much on yeah. the court. And he gets I'm you. I'm sure if you got us off the court, we, we can, you know, give you all the stories in the world. So I would say him from an aspect of myself. And then – if you wanted to pick a person that was still playing, but who's developed in the coaching game, I would say Phil. Um, I think he just has a wealth of knowledge and he could take your team from all aspects, blocking, experience, everything. And then I'll give a shout out to the guy who's been working with us here in the Carolinas. Uh, uh, he's a Brazilian named Takao. Uh, he's been with us for about the past four months um, and I've gotten to do all kinds of training sessions with him. So I think he would be great too. Those are all great picks. And I like John Mayer because off the court, you guys can't be more infinitely different, but on the court, I see a, a ton of similarities, a ton of similarities between the two of you. Um, yeah, he, he's he's straight vegan, don't drink, you know what I'm saying? And this and that, and I can tell you some stories off the camera <laughs> about how straight and narrow that guy is. And he's the best college coach. He's the best um, beach coach in the NCAA. Um, and, and my, no, 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 no. I mean, he was coach of the year last year and he's one of the top five. I thought he was coach of the year last year, 31 games, beat UCLA and LSU in the tournament first two rounds. So, I mean, if you, if, 
that's not cochidia i don't know what it is and so and i'll get mm -hmm. off that horse because i've been riding that to the ground so i have a lot of picks too my turn um I, I like Leandro who right now who's taking over for trying Trevor for um, Jose Leola, who I think is a winner, but re not really a real coach per se. Um, no disrespect. I respect him. I'm just saying, you know, th this is attacking volleyball with volleyball. So anyone have a problem with me, grow a set. Um, I like Pompilio because he's a reps guy and, he, and he, he allows you to take things he thinks that works and get stronger. Pompilio, Leandro, Atoro, that combination of the three. I love John Mayer. John Mayer's done some really good work with Betsy and Emily Day, and he's, he's worked with Stafford and Billy Allen, and Stafford reinvented his game a little bit because John and Billy are, are buddies, so that comes with the territory. Um, but if I had to pick one coach, it would be Jeff Alzina. Hmm. Jeff Alzina is the, the the secret the secret ingredient guy. He's the one that helped build Greece Greece's beach program that was supposed to take four years. He did it in a, in a year. He was also Stein, oh, wow. Metz, Stein Metzger's coach in the Olympics. Um, he was this the 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 secret of UCLA success when they were repeat champions. He was um, Stein Metzger's assistant coach. Um, he found a home in Santa Clara. And for him, there are things that go beyond just coaching, you know, recruiting the best players and coaching them. So he's the head coach at Santa Clara right now, doing really good things. But I've seen him coach privately, and I've seen him have this combination of positive reinforcement and tough love. And it is perfectly blended. He comes from a coaching family. I think his dad's a basketball coach. And Jeff Alzina, I know you don't listen to nobody, but but I, <laughs> someone someone tell him I was talking about him. Tell him I love that dude. He came on the podcast too, looking like um, Mandy Potemkin from Homeland. He had like the beard. <laughs> you ever see Homeland? Homeland, I haven't. Is, Homeland is like the CIA guy and he's old and he has this huge beard. And, and, and he looked like he was, I mean, I've seen him clean shaven. And so uh, w watching him on camera, I was like, Damn, you hit apart the Red Sea. Are we gonna have a podcast, dude? So uh, make mine on the American scene, Jeff Alzina. I like Flugen Wagner. I, I talked to him a little bit, but I think he's getting a little bit older and, and very much like Al Skates. It's more the name surrounding surrounded by good coaches, you know, that enable him to finish mm -hmm. his to finish his volleyball career that way. Damn, I'm too real. To, damn, this podcast gonna get. <laughs> someone's gonna be sensitive about. I swear to God, someone's gonna be sensitive about that. Um, but they're not going to take it out on you. You've been, you've been, you've been clean. You've been cl neat and clean for Eugene today, my man. Um, so we are on one, two, three, four, five, six. Being, being in the best shape of your life can help put you over the top in some of these tight game situations, particularly against, um, evenly matched opponents, right? You guys got the same skill set. You want it more. Sometimes it comes down to who's in better shape. And sometimes it comes down to, to that intangible, right? Um, who wants it more at that time and, and and of course occasionally you'll have a game that's 1919 and then someone like you or whoever will do something that you've never even practiced <laughs> that got you a point <laughs> like a head kick <laughs> remember we were talking about yeah. um chandler didn't even mm -hmm. practice it he just like just threw nope. it out <laughs> how about this okay <laughs> he, he said he had he said he has baby feet that's why he doesn't practice it like you just knocked out a dude with one of the most devastating kicks ever, but with baby feet, <laughs> baby feet. So who do you think? And I'm glad I sent you some of these questions ahead of time because there's so many and, and we'd be here all day sure. uh, with the 60 seconds trying to answer this. Who is, mm -hmm. do you think is the best conditioned player, male or female on the American tour? So I'll give you both. Uh, I think it's pretty easy for the, the male side. I think there's no comparison with Triborn. Uh, he's the best conditioned player because he split blocks the whole time. He can run up. He sides out at will. He's a great setter. He jump serves most of the entire time, and he never looks like he gets tired. Um, and then what he's come back from, I don't think anybody has been in his shoes on, on the male side, and no one knows what it's like to come back from that kind of injury or that kind of illness. So – I think he's hands down the best conditioned athlete. And then on the women's side, I don't think there's really any question either. I, I've never seen Chris and Nuss get tired, tired one bit. <laughs> girls out there, the girls out there scooping every single ball. It's like this girl ever get tired of just playing defense. She's in the right spot every time. And she never gets tired, never complains, sides out to the point where her partner, who's a foot taller than hers, getting served. Yeah. Right? Think about that. Let that swirl on your happy little heads. 
if she, if this isn't the short girl's game and she's undersized and she should get another partner why is she the one getting served mm -hmm. and i ain't gonna say nothing that's gonna pit them two against each other and and i can't anyway because they are joined at the hip and they have done things the last two years that sent a message to everybody we're not breaking up we're 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 we're, we're a team and we're more than that so stop uh, we, mm -hmm. we, we need FIVB points. We need to play with a player to get points. No. How about we go to Australia with no points, take the last spot on the qualifier, make the main draw and win. That's, mm -hmm. that's the message they sent, right? Sure. LSU 35 and 0. Just an awesome, awesome. Uh, and, and if you've ever talked to them, good human beings, mm -hmm. good human beings. All right. My turn. Um, the best male condition athlete, um, and it, it never really got my attention until I started talking to some people off and on the record about it. Um, Jeremy Casebeer. Jeremy Casebeer looks like one of these guys, if he's in ancient Rome, like if he wasn't playing volleyball, he'd be nailing people to a cross and then, and then mm -hmm. running 100 miles. Um, he's got like this eight pack. It looks like one of those lizards, lizards that's jacked to the gills all the way to the tailbone. Uh, one of the leaders by far in service aces. And of course, of course, with the service aces comes the error. But that ride or die attitude, we are 100% from bell to bell. I go Jeremy Casebeer on, on the men's side. The women's side, I really, really like your pick with Kristen Nuss because you really don't her take a deep breath but nor have i seen april ross do one too and, and there's something to be said about someone to be doing it for that long um who doesn't when, when she switches sides you don't see her hunch you don't see her do whatever everything she does she does with a purpose mm -hmm. um i like betsy flynn in that equation but it's only because she doesn't make a lot of big moves betsy you, you don't really see her she, I don't know. It's like a fortune cookie. She saves her strengths for the battle she can win. So she's tough to diagnose, but I wanted to plug her in because I've never seen her get tired too. But the reasoning might be energy efficiency, but they're also the reason. And Betsy's a mother too. Yes. Something Kristen and April haven't gone through. So that's yep. hats off to her as yeah, well for that. Dude, she is, she is a killer. We have, we have two real killers in women's volleyball. And when I say killer, I don't mean girls that play well or girls that play with killer, like a, a killer instinct, like Sarah has a little, everyone has a little bit of that. No, that Misty May type thing, like if you serve me, I'm gonna F you up. And you're gonna, mm -hmm. you're gonna, feel, you're gonna feel sorry the entire match the, so that's because you served me. I will make you feel sorry. And I, don't, I only get that, that vibe from Betsy Flint and Kristen Nuss. I don't even get it from April. April is just, she just does her thing. And sometimes when you're really good, you know, she's like the female Phil. She goes out there and she does her thing and she does it well. So, so for mine, I go April for best con um, conditioned and I go Jeremy Casebeer for best man. But I love, I absolutely love what you said about Triborn. For him to battle all of these things and still go bell to bell. You know what I'm saying? The Olympics, a 91 side out percent side out percentage. And, and <laughs> just the great partner to have, right? Can jump set, great. I mean, one of the first guys I've seen jump setting out there, but on the American scene, at least, the Europeans are filled with them. Um, and yeah, that's it. All right, next question. Uh, there's some great teams out there and they're old and they're new and they're and they're new partnerships and they're new teams and their their partner changes so but this question is for the player or team who has enjoyed a heightened level of success but at the same time still flying under the radar so this is um an acute question that might ask people what do you mean but i'll do the best i can to ask it um who is the player or team that demands that you put some respect on their name who is the team out there who's been doing some really good stuff, not just first, second, or third place finishes that have been out there and doing really, really good stuff for the sport that we don't talk about a lot. Um, I'll go first on this one. Okay. Um, we might have the same answer here. It might be nothing close, right? I mean, for me, for a long time, it was, I mean, you're 35 and 0 in college, all right? Perfect 35 and 0 in college. You, 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 you graduate, you win fucking eight straight tournaments before the tour and then the first tour stop from the qualifier you win and then the story in australia you win and then the story in austin beating a very very legit if you're not april and alex 
you're 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 one a and because they're one a nobody's talking about them enough and that's re and i think that's for a long time that's criminal i mean that might change from austin we might have a different vibe plus the games are on youtube so you literally got to see the comment section just light up about these girls about how great they were and um i got 15 seconds left so i guess i'm i, I I'm not going to change my mind. This is the team where I'm like, before this season's over, we need to we need to talk about them. And they're loved in New Orleans. They need to be loved out here in these five zip codes. They need to be loved out here. The lieutenant governor called them and said the state of Louisiana is sponsoring you. Oh wow, that is so. There's a little bit of put some respect on name on their name, but it's like Jason. They're kind of are putting respect on their name. So stop talking through your ass. So I spent one minute contradicting myself, but I, but because I live here, I'm sorry. Why are we still talking about Sarah and Kelly? Kelly Kalinske, who I love and respect. Sarah, who's, who's whatever. Why are we still talking about where's April? Uh, oh, when's April coming back? Why are we still talking about Alex? Oh, how's her shoulder? When you got this team right here, right now, doing great stuff for the sport, inspiring people. That's why I brought them up. Floor is yours, brother. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with not a team. I'm going to go with an individual. Let's do it. Who I think hasn't got the respect he deserves. And if I were, if, if I were to think about it, the easy choice would have been Andy, but Andy's already on the map. He already had some good finishes last year with Billy Allen. Yep. So I'm not going to go that route. I'm going to say the person that needs more respect and that we don't give enough credit to is Logan Weber. Uh, if you just look at last weekend, he got fifth place with John Hyden. Never played a tournament with John Hyden before. He's on. He's in there on Sunday. I mean, they just he just kind of was under the radar, wow. took care of business, and was almost in the semifinals Whoa. with a guy he's never played with. The guy Jesus. wins every AVP Next Gold event, I believe, that he's played in in the last two years. It doesn't matter whether it's with Evan, Sean Cook, or the host of different people that this guy plays with. And from where I've seen this guy when he first started and when I first played him to where he is now, it's, it's incredible. I mean, I believe he's so underrated and not on the map yet, but he is on the map. When I was doing the beat um, for Volleyball 101, this is 2018. This is um, Huntington Beach. It's an FIVBAVP co-promotion. And Weber was trying to get in the qualifier, and I was just interviewing. My, I was assigned to interview top players. But I saw this guy, he's tall, he's chilling, minding his own business. I decided to talk to him and I asked him about how he felt about the tournament. He says, and he says, I'll tell you this, I'll be in the draw next year. You know what I'm saying? I'll, I mean, this is what I'll, but I'll be back here next year and I'll make the draw. And he was, he made the main draw. I don't remember with who, I don't remember if it was Baranek or something like that. But um, yeah, put some respect on that boy's name. You know what? He's so looked over. I just had to find out from you today that he made it to Sunday. <laughs> I did not know that he made it to Sunday until you just told me just now. Put some respect on that boy's name. And Logan Weber, if you're out here watching this, come on the podcast. Stop acting like we slept together. All right? We we got to we got to get it in, man. We got we got you got a story to tell and the people want to hear it. So, guess what? You got to tolerate me for a little bit. Um I'm just looking at some Nolan Albrecht questions because we have three questions left. And um, man, he's got, this might be, this question might be a segue to what we were talking about. How about this? I'll just ask straight up. Who's the best up and coming blocker? For the U.S.? For the U.S. Uh, I mean, it's it'd be easier to say Andy, right? but Logan. Yeah. Actually, we can bang this out in one minute, both both of us together. <laughs> it's a two-horse race. Uh, at the end of the season, I'm very, very interested to see how Logan Weber finishes, if he's a better version of himself every tournament as we go, because it seems like Andy's headed that direction. It seems like Andy looks a little bit better. Not like a lot better, but it's like he's riding the escalator instead of taking the elevator. And that's the way to go, man. That's the way to go. And I, I, I got to go with Andy, but it was an excuse for me to mention Logan Weber too, because you just mentioned him. Put some respect on that guy's name and, and mm -hmm. look, help Evan Corey win Coconut Beach. I don't, 
Look, Evan Corey was like a hitman for hire, and it seems like he was in the finals every weekend. How do we know? Because Facebook Live tells us so. That man is a, a promotion machine. I even brought, bought one of his um, his, his um, Blue Nose Athletic hats. Gave it to my little father. Oh, wow. So, yeah, man, he's got his own clothing line. He's, he's a go-getter. But he, he's been in every finals, but I don't see him beating Rafu and Peter without Logan. Mm-hmm. No, that's not going to happen. So... Now we're gonna get into discussion about back row defenders, top top defenders, all right? So I'm changing the question on this. I sent you a question, so I wanna drop a little bit of a, a caveat that makes us have a little fun, put a little color on this so it's not one dimensional. Uh, we talked about good blockers, upcoming blockers, and this 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 now we're gonna talk about back row defenders, all right? And we're not just talking about um, veterans, we're not just talking about uppercomings, we're talking about back row defenders on the American scene in their totality. On the international scene, let's have fun when the clock is up because I have my, my own personal bias, my own top five. But for now, give me who are your top three um, back row defenders. One of them might even be Phil. <laughs> I mean, after this tournament, yeah. it might be Phil. Give me, give me three, and I'm dropping you this on last minute, so um, it's weird because you're, if I drop three, because I, I only asked you for one, but if you, if I'm I'm asking you for three, when it's over, you're definitely gonna leave someone out that you forgot about. So, but let's 100%. take let's take a chance. Let's do it. Go. You talking about the U.S. level? U.S. level. We're gonna do international after. Um, international is easy for me. International is easy. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go with three. I'll put Baranic. Yeah. Uh, two. I'll put came yeah and one i'll put uh taylor that's pretty cool i like that i like i like taylor crab because taylor crab is a fifth as far as like best defenders in the world he, i got him tied for fifth with some people in the world so on the american scene i by that rationale i gotta get he's gotta be first right um I really, really like Eric Baranek's uh, dig and transition game, though I do think he, he needs to do a better job siding out, and I can say the same thing about Kame Shaw. So with that being said, I do like – if Nick is still on the scene, I, I got to put him ahead. And then for third place, just like you, it's got to be Eric and um, or, or Kame. Um, on a personal level, Eric is my favorite, but on a professional level, I got to go with Kame. Yeah, I think he sides out a little bit better than Eric, even though Eric's transition game is is freaking gnarly. So, Eric, if you're out there, no disrespect, I love you. But if you're in that conversation, that means you're doing something right. And think about where he's where he's where he's come. This hitman mm -hmm. for hire, all the way to the Manhattan Beach semifinals, and now playing with with a stud like Avery Draw. So, um, cool. So that was eight. We got two more questions. Oh, do you want to go international? Yes, let's go one minute on international. Top three international. Oh, you want me to go top three? Ooh, I'll go first. I I'll think. go first. Christian go Sorum. Um, uh, I have one. Well, what my one and one A I can interchange. Ahmed, uh, um, um, and Christian Sorum are, are my one and two. I mean, I gave Christian the rub because when push came to shove, when it count, he won the gold. Period. Um, uh, two. One and two. My third one is Lupo, Daniel Lupo. And those are my top three. And on the tail end, I got Guto and I got Taylor Crab and Alvaro um, somewhere there, you know. And and the, the y'all must have forgot is Bruno Oscar Schmidt. Um, go ahead. Uh, so I'll go Ahmed three. I'll go, God, this is a tough one on two. Uh, I'll go Sorum just because of the defender of the year. And then I think it's not even a no-brainer who the best defender is. And you didn't mention him. I think it's uh, Bartosz Losiak. Losiak. From uh, Poland. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Let me tell you something. He, um, When I interviewed Taylor a few years ago, he mentioned him. I was like, which player do you do? Do you, you want to just chat with or whatever, and just get to know him or whatever? He says that guy. It was it was he said Cantor or Lochak. He couldn't remember the names or which one was who at that time. But even Crab mentioned him. This was after he won um, AVP Manhattan um, in New York. I think that was 2017. Um, I think he maybe besides um, Mole, he might be the second best player right now in the world. Yeah. Uh, you know what? He's. This year they they've been showing that, haven't they? Look, I'm a Bill Parcells guy. You're you know I mean you you've been to Jersey. I 
you are what your record says you are. That's how I roll. Tough shit, right? And guess what? His record is showing that he's in the finals. He's winning in the finals, losing. And if you're in that conversation, guess what? You're in this conversation. That's not a, mm -hmm. that is a strong argument. That is a strong argument for both of us, you know? Um, how about best female defender in the world? Let's do three, our top three. Uh, I did not, I didn't Ooh, email you, you this question either. <laughs> <laughs> I go April Ross, because April Ross is the best player in the world, female player in the world. And by that rationale, she's the best defender. Um, because I think, look, the only thing stopping her from three gold medals is Kerry Waltz. Playing against her and playing with her, all right? <laughs> so so um, April Ross, I got Rebecca. Um, as long as that girl has breakfast in the morning and she's happy and she's stuffed, she's moving. And um, boy, there was a Czech player that was just really, really good. I can't remember her name, but man, she was amazing. God, what was her name? And the third one, I got to give it to the Aussie. Got to give it to um, um, Clancy. You mean... Um, Sorry, the other girl, yeah. The other girl, yeah. Yeah, Clancy's the blocker. Sorry. The, the, those are my Arturo, top Arturo, is that her name? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Great defender. She's got like three names. I know. It's like Marie. It's and, a, like, and a big I bun on up. the top of her head. <laughs> yeah. Who you got? I got... Well, I'll go April 3. Okay. I'll go a tie between uh, Duda and um, yes. Paredes. Ooh. Melissa. Okay. And then uh my number one. I just had it. Who's my number one? Um oh uh what's her name? Schoon, the one from the Netherlands. Yes. Dude, she looks happy all the time too. I'm gonna stop the clock right there. That girl looks happy all the time, man. That's a great pick, dude. That is a great pick. Um yeah. Let's let's wrap up there on that one. Sorry, I'm going to fix my clock. There we go. Last question. This one came straight from my phone. Nolan Albrecht, okay? Nolan Albrecht, we're going to talk about AVP officials. All right? Now, sometimes they look sharp as attack, and sometimes it looks like you. they make calls that make you wonder what they're doing. You have some referees that double down and don't want to change their mind because they think that, that, that it violates a trust system, and there's some refs that are like, you know what? I missed it replay, and the players are mad at them, but it only lasts for one play because now they got someone that, 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 that's being honest up there. So the next call they make, they know they're sure. So um, as far as referees go, which referee do you – when you see them up there, you, you're, you're like, um, I'm good to go. So I like Carson. I like Ref Carson, um, Dave Carson. Um, he, that would be that I was going to say that, but yeah, well, we'll, we'll do this minute together. Okay. Dave Carson, I think he's the head coach in New Hampshire. Uh, I think that they, they have a NECFA team out there and, he, and I think he coaches the men during the winter or whatever. And he's, I, I don't see him on the international scene. I see him almost exclusively on the domestic scene, which is the AVP. Um, he came on the podcast and he had this, we had this great intelligent discussion about hands and about why, why certain referees call hands or what, what, what the actual rule of hands is. And the most important thing, help making people understand what league rules are, right? You have the international scene and everybody's like, oh my God, oh, those are all doubles. And I'm like, no, those actually are not doubles. That's how volleyball is played. And where if you live in a league and an environment or a zip code where catching the ball and throwing it up in the air is legal as long as it doesn't spin, um, if that's their league, if it's written into their rules, like uh, we judge doubles by one and a quarter times, uh, um, then that's their rule, right? The Pottstown Rumble is side out to 15. That's a, that's a house rule. The AVP recently mm -hmm. had a, a scoring freeze, right? It's not an official rule. That's just something the league did. So, so this guy, I like him because he says, check with your league. If you're going to ask me questions, this is my personal opinion. But check with your league. Um, how do you feel about uh, the um, our our choice? Oh, he's great. I mean, I I think he's a player's ref. I mean, he'll make it a point to come up to you. A lot of the a lot of the officials do, and a lot of the big names that we all know are equally as friendly. But Dave, I mean, he makes it a point to ask about you know how's things in your life, just the the day to day. And he's such a player's referee. I mean, he'll he he's gotten some calls wrong for me in the past and, and, you know, no one's perfect, 
but it's that level of respect where you have him off the court where, you know, you can have a conversation with him and he's not going to hold any bias towards you. And then I'm going to take the last 20 seconds and say the best female ref, in my opinion, Suzanne Lowry. Yes. Is that um the husband wife act? Yeah. Keith's, uh Yes. He's wife, uh, Suzanne. Awesome, yeah. Dude. And I say that because she can coach or she can referee all three sports, you know, grass, sand, indoor, indoor. volleyball, everywhere. Volleyball, probably and, the nationals for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Dude, I like your, I like your pick because last year in Manhattan Beach, I was coaching, um, um, Austin, Chris Austin and Cole Fears, and we were playing Garrett and Garrett and she missed the score twice. We, they, there were two points left on the board and the next day she's like, did I, did I really mess that up? Did I miss that? And I was like, yes, you did. But I said, you know what? You, you had something, you saw it, you went with it because you had to go with it. And you probably, mm-hmm. in your heart of hearts, you probably knew you missed it somewhere, but you, 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 you kept it, you kept the mood where like, we're all professionals. This is a mistake. We got to move on to the next thing. And Austin and uh, Austin was a little bit like, that was weird. And Cole was like, huh? But, but she, the way she conducted the game, we moved on. Everyone moved on. And I told her this. I said, players make some mistakes all the time. Players serve it to the net. Players footfall. Players carry the ball. They're, they make these mistakes because they're human. Enter referees. Also human. Exactly. Beings, not machines. You know? Cool. Great story about her before we go. Um, and I'll, I'll give you the last word, but I want to share this story because we're talking about John Mayer and the referees. There was Huntington Beach and there was a guy who was absolutely laying into her. This chick sucks. She shouldn't referee. Oh, my God. Where, how did they, where did they get this chick from? So the whole time this dude is drunk. And Huntington, you know, they could be a little cantankerous there, right? As far as oh, yeah, yeah. the West Coast goes, that's probably the worst, right? Um, and the husband's there. And, you know, the husband really wants to say something, but if he says something, now he's in that predicament too, and it's messy, and you just want to get paid to ref, and you just want to do your job, and you don't want to be that person out there that no one wants to hire you because even if you were right, you're, you're, the stigma is attached. So he can't do anything. He's not saying shit. So John comes with the biggest bailout in the history of, of volleyball rescues and white knightism. He goes across the net on a switch, and John says, and you're not going to believe me because this isn't the way he talks. Hmm. He says, I don't care who you are. If you talk to her like that again, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Oh, wow. John Mayer said that. And the, the, the only reason why I knew is because the husband told me that story, which I'm, hmm. um, I hope it's okay that he shares that with me, but whatever. And, and it's not, and honestly, it's not a testament to John's flawed character. It's just who he is. And that's the upset version of him. You've never seen John upset. John runs a a clean program because he doesn't get upset. John runs a drama-free program for women's volleyball, (laughs) a drama-free program, because the whole thought of making that man upset will break your fucking heart. <laughs> and that was a, a story I wanted to share. Is there any uh, anything you wanted to share before we get out of here? I wanted to, I, w- I, w- I was trying to have this be a lightning round thing, but damn, I talk a lot. <laughs> oh, it's all good. I guess uh, I'll follow up with your last question. You asked who is the uh, top women's volleyball player in the U.S. Yeah, right now. And I I, I think I was going to throw a monkey in the wrench here and say Kelly Kalinsky. Something about being married to a player that's that and they keep each other in great condition. And during the pandemic, he's hitting at her from the top of a garage, (laughs) hitting down balls. He's on the top of the garage and she's taken from way down there. Dude, that's a power couple. And honestly, Mm -hmm. some marriages make you soft. Not not. No. Did you see her win that tournament? Did you see them go straight Jakari's mode on that um, volleyball world tournament? Mm-hmm. Note that no one's talking about. Put some respect on my name. Yeah, I like yep. that. Kelly Kalinske, dude. Kelly she Kalinske. was the third place team last Olympics to get in, and she's stayed at the same level through the last six years. She's always in the conversation. Like, you got Nuss, who's on the way up. Yes. And, and doing big things, but she's not had the level of – I mean, if you take April Ross out of the picture. Right. Um. Kelly's been the most consistent. Yes. She won with Betsy Flint twice or three times. She's won with um, um, Stockman, Seattle, right? 
again straight Jakari's mode with Sarah Hughes, which was uh, mm -hmm. a nice resuscitation to to Sarah trying to get back to her winning ways and stuff like that, right? Because Sarah, you know, to Sarah like there's this immense amount of pressure. Like if she's not finishing first or second, it's like a fail, you know. And that's I guess that's the 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 USC way, right? Like if you look at what Dane, what Anna Collier is doing, and what Dane's doing, there is something to be said about if we don't win the championship, it's a fail season. That's that's pressure too. That's sucky pressure because <laughs> you mm -hmm. win, they, they, oh, you're supposed to, and when you lose, it's like, man, you know, big up to her to find a way to just ignore the noise, which is me right now, I guess, right? I'm I'm the one making the noise, but but um no, I'm highlighting it, sorry, um and still be able to perform, but. I don't think they she wins that without Kelly, and I do see Kelly winning that with Betsy or Sarah, or or mm. or, or or dare I say April Ross. You're right. Or Kristen Nuss. Oh, that's 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 a wrap. That's Kelly and Kristen. That's a wrap. You know, even though the best team chemistry was, that's that's the band. You know, but I I'm interested. I'm interested, and, and I hope for everybody listening. I hope this episode was interesting. I I, I wanted to do a lightning round format, get back to the sport I love. You know, the podcast, uh, the option. We're all over the place outside of the sport, but no better candidate than the talk shop with volleyball than my man Mark Fornicari. Man, people want to know more about you. What's your IG? Just so people could could ah, could catch up. I'm so old, I I probably forgot it. Yeah, I never use it. <laughs> it's uh, M D F O R N A C eighteen. There it is. Ladies, this is Mark and gentlemen. <laughs> this is Mark Fornicar, and he might love you guys, but I don't love you. In fact, I can't stand you. In fact, I'm out of here. So for all of you at home, for all of you on your iPhone or iPad at the lunch line at Starbucks, for all of you on your desktop, for all of you on your droid, if that still exists, from a man, Mark Fornicari, this is the Option Podcast. This is a lot of fun. I'm hitting my music. Stay with me after this. But for now, we're out. Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionDB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.